Welcome, everybody. Good to see you. My name is Tim Harris. I'm pastor here at Woodburn Baptist Church. That's where you are, and we're glad that you're here. If you're in the cafe this morning or uh, joining us by way of audio or video podcast, thank you so much. Cafe folks, we love you. Haley Mefford, welcome back from the mission field. We love you. We're glad for the way you serve the Lord and glad to have you back home with us. Everybody open your Bibles to the book of Exodus. Uh, all year long, we've sort of had the theme of living forward, live forward. God calls us, and we are the followers of Jesus. That's what it means to be his disciples. We're followers of Jesus, and he only leads us in one direction. It is always and forever forward. He leads us forward. He never calls us into the past. He rarely asks us to stand still. Honestly, we're always moving forward with him. But moving forward and living in a forward direction is often very, very difficult for us. So let's take a look today at Exodus chapter 13 and 14, uh, part of the story of the Exodus, God leading his people out of slavery and their determination to uh, return. It's somewhat somewhat befuddling the way people are, but I guess we understand people. When uh, we dropped our son off at college, which seemed like just yesterday, we dropped our son off at college, uh, and uh, they took the, the new freshmen somewhere for orientation, and they gathered all of the moms and dads in a big auditorium, and they talked to us. They gave us tips on how to parent our new college freshmen like we hadn't been parents for 18 years, you understand. But, but we were moving into a brand new chapter, and so it was important that we understand Uh, some ways that we can make this whole transition better for our new college freshmen and better for us as well. One of the most surprising words of advice they gave us, and actually it was counterintuitive. I probably already made this mistake. If it was a mistake, it made sense to me. But they said, listen, don't tell your college freshmen that these are the best years of their lives. I think I already said that like 20 times. Wait, these are going to be the best years of your life. They said, don't say that. Don't say that. Now, why is that a bad, a bad idea? It sounds like a good idea. You're encouraging them with the knowledge that these are going to be the best years of your life. Why should you not say that? Well, a very simple principle of life that you and I tend to forget, and it's simply we often remember the past better than it was. We remember the past better than it was. When I think about college, those are the best years of my life. And I wanted to tell my son, son, you're going to college. They're going to be the best years of your life. But the thing is, he's going to be in college in his freshman year. And then, you know, one of these nights he's going to have his very first stomach virus in the dorm. Ever had a stomach virus in the dorm? Or his car's going to break down in Sonora in the middle of the night, you understand? Or he's going to pay $250 for a textbook and then be flat broke without money to buy gas or food. Do you remember that? Do you remember that? Or he's going to be walking up the hill, you know, at Western in the rain. And, And do you remember walking up the hill at Western in the rain and it rains so hard that the rain is rushing over your shoes? over your feet. Yeah, this is college. So my son's going to be, you know, in the middle of one of those days in college thinking, my dad told me these are the best years of, of my life, you know. And then you're thinking, if, if this is as good as it gets, I don't know if I want to live. I'm going to step out in front of the next shuttle bus. You understand? It's, it's different. When I look back on those college years, understand, I'm remembering the past better than it was. I mean, I remember the, the, the midnight dance party on top of the parking structure. That was awesome. 
I remember all of those amazing nights. I mean, just the fun that we had. I remember putting six people in Linda Truman's car and driving to Nashville on a Friday night just to go to night court. I know it sounds lame, but that was just awesome. I mean, we had so much fun. I, I remember being awesome. I remember wearing parachute pants and being young and free as a bird. I mean, that's how I remember college. Best years of my life. But, but I tend not to remember eight o'clock classes. I tend not to remember the misery of meteorology class with Dr. Trapasso back in the day. I mean, it was so awful, and it was eight o'clock in the morning. I prayed you know, for a tornado or something just to come. I mean, it was awful, just awful. I, I'm not remembering any of that. I'm not remembering that night that that girl's boyfriend got jealous and dropped a concrete block through my sunroof. You know, I'm not remembering any of that. We often remember the past better than it was. I don't know that we can help it. Psychologists study this phenomenon. We just tend to always sort of glorify and idealize the past in ways that are not realistic, but it's simply how our brains work. It's not a problem, really. It's not a problem remembering the past better than it was unless it keeps you from living forward into the future, which takes us to the book of Exodus. Turn with me. The actual sermon uh, is going to be from chapter 14, but let's do a pre-sermon. Let's go back to chapter 13 and do it. This one's totally free. This isn't the sermon. This is a pre-sermon. Exodus chapter 13. Let's start with verse 17. Let's talk about how God leads us. Let's just do this first, and then we'll go to chapter 14. But let's talk about how God leads us. God is leading the children of Israel out of Egypt. In Egypt, what were they? Slaves. They were slaves. And for generations, they had cried out to God for deliverance. And God raises up a deliverer. His name is Moses. And Moses goes, and he leads the children of Israel gloriously out of Egypt, okay? And here's how the story goes. Exodus chapter 13, verse 17. When Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them along the main road that runs through Philistine territory, even though that was the shortest route to the promised land. God said, if the people are faced with a battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness toward the Red Sea. Thus the Israelites left Egypt like an army ready for battle. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him. What? Did y'all know that? Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for Joseph had made the sons of Israel swear to do this. He said, God will certainly come to help you, and when he does, you got to take my bones with you out of this place. That's good. The Israelites left Sukkoth and camped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. The Lord went ahead of them. He guided them during the day with a pillar of cloud, and he provided light at night with a pillar of fire. This allowed them to travel by day or by night, and the Lord did not remove the pillar of cloud or pillar of fire from its place in front of the people. Okay, it's just those verses. 
let's talk about how God leads us because honestly, in our lives as believers, following him is our primary task. This is what life is about. You have to know how to follow the Lord and you have to understand how this works. So principle number one, look at what the scripture says. Verse 17, when Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them along the main road, even though that was the shortest route. Even though it was the shortest route. So write this down. Sometimes God will lead you the long way. Sometimes he will lead you the long way. Some of you right now in this very moment, you're thinking, why is this taking so long? You have this sense of where you, you want to be, where you long to be, and you have this sense of where God is taking you, but for the life of you, you don't understand why it takes so long, why God seems so slow to show you the next step, why somehow you tend to go in this roundabout way. And I'm telling you, God will often lead you in a roundabout way. Think, why in the world did we go this way? There had to be a shortest route, and there probably was a shorter route. That's not the point. Sometimes God will lead you the long way. Now, why is that? Well, look at what the scripture says here. Even though there was a shorter route to the promised land, God said, if the people are faced with a battle, they'll be toast. That's what God says. They're not ready. They're not ready. I mean, I could take them a shorter route, but that is going to take them into so much of a mess. And honestly, God will help you miss a whole lot of mess if you just follow him. You think you see, but you don't see what God sees. All you can see is a little bit of the road ahead, but God sees the entire journey from start to finish like a parade viewed from 30,000 feet. He sees the entire journey and he knows best. You just follow him. He may take you the longer way. He may take you in a roundabout way. You just follow him. Because if you try to get ahead of him, or if you try to take a shortcut, you're going to find out why he did not take you that way. You're going to find out exactly why he did not want you to go that way. You're going to end up fighting battles he never intended that you would have to fight. You're going to end up stepping in stuff that God never intended you step in. Do you understand? God leads you the best way. Follow him. It may be longer, it may be more roundabout, you just follow him. Sometimes God leads you the long way. And the next, remember where you've come from and remember where you're going. This is important. Which brings us to the bones of Joseph. Is that not the weirdest thing ever? They took a skeleton with them, y'all. They took a skeleton. Incidentally, there's a skeleton on sale in the Halloween rack at Myers Grocery in case you wouldn't let me buy it. Man, I could have I had it this morning as a, as a visual aid. They took a skeleton with them out of, did y'all know that? They took a skeleton. Go back to the end of the book of Genesis. Remember this. Remember why in the world they were hauling bones with them. Genesis chapter 50, the last verses of the book of Genesis Joseph makes them make a promise. And remember, Joseph is one of the sons of Israel, and he ends up in Egypt, but by the, a long, long story, and his brothers end up coming there. And incidentally, they all end up staying there. They, they get stuck there. But at the end of the book, Joseph has them make a promise. Verse 24, soon I will die, Joseph told his brothers, but God will surely come to help you and lead you out of this land of Egypt. He will bring you back to the land he solemnly promised to give to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. 
So Joseph made the sons of Israel swear an oath, and he said, when God comes to help you and lead you back, you got to take my bones with you. So Joseph died at the age of 110, and the Egyptians abhorred him, and his body was placed in a coffin in Egypt. They turned him into a mummy. The Egyptians mummified him. But he said, for the love of Jesus, do not leave me in Egypt. Yeah. Why did he have him make that promise? What's the big deal, y'all? He's dead. He's a mummy. But the point is, God had made a promise. God made a promise that he would lead them back to the promised land. And that's what Joseph longed for. And that's what Joseph lived for. And he said, listen, it looks like it's not going to happen in my lifetime. It's going to happen in your lifetime. So please promise me that when God leads you out of this God-forsaken place, when God leads you back to the land, he has promised, you got to take my, take my mummy with you. It's a promise, and it's a promise that they keep. Moses goes back, and they bring the skeleton of Joseph with them. Because Joseph was a man of vision, and Joseph was a man who lived forward even after he died. Joseph is one of those guys who understands that sometimes you can pray a prayer your entire life, and God may not answer it until after you die, but God always answers prayers. He always answers prayers. Just because you die, God didn't say, well, I can forget about that now. He's dead. No, God is faithful. God is faithful. And God was faithful to Joseph. Joseph's bones got to leave Egypt and go to the promised land. His bones. So I know sometimes you feel like God is long in keeping his promises. And sometimes it seems long to you. But I'm promising you God always is faithful. He's going to answer your prayers. There are prayers that people prayed years and years ago at Woodburn Baptist Church, and we have buried those people, but we're still living out the answers to their prayers. Because you got to pray long prayers sometimes, and you got to have a long faith that recognizes that this is bigger than me, and it's bigger than you. What God is doing in the lives of his people lasts for generations and generations. So Joseph said, listen, when you guys are out of here, take me with you. Isn't that beautiful? He remembered where he had come from, Lord, take me back. But also, he knew where he was going. God's promise was not to leave him in Egypt. God's promise was not that Joseph would live in Egypt. God's promise is they would return to the promised land. Joseph knew where he came from, but he also knew where he was going. And he never, ever stopped moving forward, y'all. They took his bones. Isn't that good? This is still the pre-sermon, y'all. This is just pre-sermon. Verse 20. The Israelites left Sukkoth and camped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. Okay, listen to this. The Lord went ahead of them. He guided them during the day with a pillar of cloud. Now, what do you picture a pillar of cloud is? It sounds tame. It's a pillar of cloud. What's that look like? Picture tornado. You understand? Picture a tornado. It's that kind of thing. It's clouds moving. It's clouds. It's, it's a pillar. It's a column. It's a tornado, y'all. So God leads him during the day with a pillar of cloud, and he provided light at night. He provided light at night. No flashlights, no iPhones, understand, no headlights on the chariot. God provided light at night with a pillar of fire. This allowed them to travel by day or by night, and the Lord did not remove the pillar of cloud or pillar of fire from its place in front of the people. 
How does God lead us? How does God lead his people? He leads us himself. What does it say? First part of the verse 21 there. The Lord went with them. The Lord went ahead of them. The Lord went with them. He provided guidance of a, a, a pillar of cloud, a, a tornado. Now, now, why is that? Because it's a massive number of people. God is with them. But honestly, it's, it's a gigantic crowd of people, and they need that column. They need something in the sky. They need something that goes from heaven to earth so that they can see and follow. It's, it, it's a tornado. It's a pillar of cloud all day long. And when the cloud moves, they move. And when the cloud stops, they stop. That, that's how it works. When the cloud moves, they move, and when the cloud stops, they stop. And at night, sometimes it was time to move. I know at night, sometimes you'd rather rest. You'd rather just sort of get in your chair and you know, watch Law and Order. But sometimes the pillar of fire moves, and they just had to pack up and move. When the Spirit of God moves, they had to move. It's just following. It's, it's just following. It's, what, it's the way it works when you're following a God who's with you. See, even though this is how God still wants to work in your life, this is not satisfactory to most of us because we want the map. We want the entire map. We want God to show us point A, this is where you are, and, and this is where you're going. X marks the spot, and, and you're going to, you know, head down I-65 for about 25 minutes. You're going to hang a, you know, hang a ride at Portland. You know, I mean, that's what we want. We want the entire, you know, step-by-step, turn-by-turn directions, and I want the whole thing now. I want to know, you know, what's my ETA, my estimated time of arrival? I, I want to know all about that, and are there good bathroom stops here and there, and will there be a Chick-fil-A. I mean, that's the way I travel, and that's what I need to know. And, and is it going to be warm when I get there because do I need to pack a sweater? I mean, we want details. We want the whole trip laid out because that's how we operate. Because honestly, if we don't like the accommodations, if we're not sure about the ease of the journey, we might just opt out. We want to know everything in advance so that we can keep our options open. But your options do not remain open if you're going to follow this guy. Because he's not going to put the map in your hands. Because that's not the way he wants to travel. That's not the way he wants you to know him. He wants you to know him. He's not going to just stand off somewhere and give you directions and hope you make it. No, 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 no. He's going to come with you. He's going to be with you. And you're just going to follow his directions. So the way it works is you, you, you're in this, this journey of life, and the Lord is with you, and he's going to say, you need to turn here. And you're going to make that turn then. And he'll tell you when you get there. I know you want to see the whole, you know, the whole journey for miles and miles down the road, but, but that's the point. God doesn't shine the light for miles and miles down the road. The pillar of cloud led the people, and the pillar of fire gave light for the people. But God always provides light enough for you to take the next step. It's just the next step. He doesn't shine the light for miles down the road. It doesn't work that way. But you will always have light enough to take the next step. It, it's like your headlights in your car. They don't shine from here to Edmondson County. They just shine whatever, 25 feet down the road. But if you drive in that light, you, you'll, you'll, you'll go for miles. God just gives you light enough to take the next step. God just gives you light enough for the next phase of the journey. You just continue to walk in his light. He'll take you there. If you continue to move, if you continue to go forward. But here's the real sermon now. Exodus chapter 14, starting verse 5. 
Y'all know about people? Y'all know how stupid we are? Okay, remember, they're being led out of slavery. They were crying out in slavery. They were, they were saying, God, where are you? Why do you let us here in slavery? Why are you leaving us here in slavery? It's awful. You know, they're making bricks without straw. I mean, it was horrible, back-breaking work. But, but remember how we always remember things better than it was? Get this. Exodus chapter 14, verse 5. When word reached the king of Egypt that the Israelites had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds. What have we done letting all those Israelite slaves get away, they asked. So Pharaoh harnessed his chariot, called up his troops. He took with him 600 of Egypt's best chariots along with the rest of the chariots of Egypt, each with its commander. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, so he chased after the people of Israel who had left with fist raised in defiance. The Egyptians chased after them with all the forces in Pharaoh's army, all his horses and chariots, his charioteers and his troops. The Egyptians caught up with the people of Israel as they were camped beside the shore near Pi-Hahariath across from Baal-Zephron. As Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and, say the word, panicked. People looked up and panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. They cried out to the Lord and to Moses, Why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Okay, D did y'all just hear that question? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. No, they didn't. They did not. They never once said, leave us alone. They did not. They did not. We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves. No, they did not. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Then the Lord said to Moses, why, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Pick up your staff and raise your hand over the sea. Divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians and they will charge in after the Israelites. My great glory will be displayed through Pharaoh and his troops, his chariots and charioteers. When my glory is displayed through them, all Egypt will see my glory and know that I am the Lord. Then the angel of God who had been leading the people of Israel moved to the rear of the camp. The pillar of cloud also moved from the front and stood behind them. The cloud settled between the Egyptian and the Israelite camps. As darkness fell, the cloud turned to fire, lighting up the night. But the Egyptians and Israelites did not approach each other all night. Then Moses raised his hand over the sea, and the Lord opened up a path through the water with a strong east wind. The wind blew all that night, turning the seabed into dry land. So the people of Israel walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground with walls of water on each side. No way. Wow. It's amazing. It's amazing. Okay, since I did that pre-sermon, I don't have much time for this sermon, so let's go fast. Um, what's it say in verse 10? 
As Pharaoh approached the people of Israel, they looked up and they, they panicked. They panicked. Panic is overwhelming fear. I don't know if any of you have ever battled anxiety or panic. I, I, I have had panic attacks. I can struggle with anxiety. And the first thought when you have a panic attack is, 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 is an overwhelming sense that I am going to die. It's, it's panic. It's fear like you've never known. And, and the people of Israel at this point are saying, we are going to die. It's, it, it's panic. It's absolute panic. It, it is overwhelming fear, which is why in verse 13, it's just kind of strange when Moses tells the people what? Don't be afraid. Okay, Moses, it's a little late for that. It's a little late, wouldn't you say? I mean, they're panicking. And look how the fear operates. They panic. And when they panic, they start to cry out to the Lord and they say to Moses, so understand, that they're complaining to Moses, but ultimately their complaining is against God. And honestly, they really ought to watch their words here. I mean, to accuse God of what they're accusing God of here is rather unconscionable. But listen to what they say. Why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Okay. Did God bring them out to die in the wilderness? Yeah. Did, did, has God not protected and provided for them in miraculous ways all through this moment? How could you look in the face of the God who has brought you all of this way and say, why are you bringing me here to die now? Why would you think that God is going to forsake you now? You understand, it's, a, it's an amazing and disastrous collapse of faith here. Why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? You understand, they're accusing God here of only wanting to set them up to slay them. Were there not enough graves? You just brought us out here to die in the wilderness. Not, not enough tombstones in Egypt. What have you done to us? They're talking to Moses, but the question is directed to God. What have you done to us? What has he done? Answer the question. What has he done? He has set them free. He has set them free. They cried out to God begging for help, and God has miraculously set them free. But they seem to have forgotten who God is. They seem to have forgotten what God has done and what God is doing. Fear will make you do that. Fear makes you do that. Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? No, you did not. Understand how they remember now. They remember it very differently. They're now from their place of fear projecting that all the way back as if they were always feeling what they're feeling now. And that's not the case. They haven't always been afraid like this at all. When they left Egypt at night, they were singing praises like a triumphant army. They weren't saying this is the worst idea ever. They weren't. Fear has this horrible way of clouding the way you remember it and clouding the way you look forward. I mean, fear will paralyze you. And that's exactly why Moses says, don't be afraid. I mean, I know it's a little too late that they feel fear, and you may feel fear, but you must not let the fear control you. You must not let fear cloud the way you look at the world. And you must not let your fear cause you to forget who God is and what he's done for you and what he's going to do for you. Remember the old hymn, All the Way My Savior Leads Me? That song has been in my head now for weeks. It's that line that says, can I doubt his tender mercy who through life has been my God? All 
the way my Savior leads me. What have I to ask beside? Can I doubt his tender mercy? Who for life has been my God? Don't you remember what he's done for you? Do you see how far he's brought you? You're going to doubt him now? Who through your life has been your guide? You're going to doubt him now? You're going to feel fear, but you cannot let fear control you. You cannot let fear paralyze you. And honestly, you you can't act out of fear. You can't move out of fear because you'll move in the wrong direction. You're going to move toward the exit. And understand, if you just stand still, this is what Moses says, you just stand still. Stand still. And and God will fight for you. You Just stand still. It's amazing. Just stand still. Stand still. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Stand still. In that moment of fear, you just got to stand still and you got to keep your eyes on him and, and keep your eyes on the salvation that he's bringing to you. Don't forget and don't let fear control you. Just stand still, Moses. Just stand still. Let God fight for you. He's always been fighting for you. Stand still. Because here's the thing. The fear will cause you to start fighting against the God who's actually there to fight for you. Stand still, stay calm. Let let him fight for you. Brilliant. So then God says to Moses, why are you talking to me? Why are you crying out to me? Tell the people what? Tell the people what? Get moving. Tell the people get moving. God is awesomely hilarious. Get moving. Where are they, you all? Where are they? Okay, they're kind of trapped now, caught between the devil and the deep blue sea, as they would say, because you got the Red Sea here in front, you have this impossible obstacle. They can't swim, all right? You're never going to cross that sea. They got the sea in front of them, and now what's behind them? Armies of the Egyptians. Yeah, and that's the dumb part. They're saying, you know, uh, Pharaoh's here. I'm just going to get a ride back to Egypt with him because I'm just going to, you know, Moses, thank you. You know, I'm going to get a ride. No, Pharaoh's not here to give him a ride back. He's here to destroy them. He's here to kill them. So they're caught. And God says, tell them to move. Move where? In which direction? Forward. Always forward. Isn't there a Red Sea there? You just tell them to move. What? I mean, How? How? Just watch what God does. Just, just, just tell him to move forward. Get moving. Get, get moving. Now, you've seen the movie, y'all. Y'all know what's going to happen. So if you was like, yeah, just go. Go. He's going to park the sea. Just go. I mean, but they don't know. They haven't seen the movie. <laughs> they haven't. And they haven't read the book of Exodus. They don't know. And God just says it like it happens every day. You know, lift your staff and then park the waters. It's going to be two big walls of water. It's not even going to be muddy. They're going to walk through the sea. They're not even going to get mud on their white shoes, y'all. They're not. But they don't know that. They don't know that at all. They just are commanded to get moving. So... Moses raises his staff in obedience to God. And that's what God said do, right? Raises his staff. And what does that do? I mean, you've seen the movie, but Moses never seen the movie. He just sort of, you know, he's got a stick and he... 
I'm like, no, sounds dumb, because it's a stick. God said, go out there and raise that stick. (laughs) And what happens? Get moving. Oh, my. What if that was us, y'all? What if that was us? If it was us, it would be hilarious. <laughs> it would be hilarious. It would be so funny. It would be so funny. Because some of us would just bust it out through there. I mean, and, and, and that would be awesome, would it not? I mean, just see walls of water, seawater, just, you know, it's piled up. Walls, and, and you're not even walking through mud now. You're just walking across on dry ground through the sea. Some of us, or the Bree Smallings, you know, the Pat Balances, you know, some of us would be going through there going, wow, look what God has done. This is so awesome. You know, you'd have kids, you know, like punch them through the walls of water. You know, it would be just, and, and then you have others of us walking through going, we are going to die. We are going to die. <laughs> would we not? I mean, we are going to die. You know, I mean, you'd, you'd have your life jacket on, holding, you know, your, your floaties. You know, we're going to die. Going to die. I'm sure even with them, there were varying levels of faith and and varying levels of remaining fear. But the point is, God leads them across. He leads them across. And they all make it. And so shall we. We're all going to make it. But you got to move forward. Some of you right now, you, you, you understand that, that, that you've got to move, but there seems in your mind to be an impossible obstacle before you, a Red Sea kind of stopping point. And this is what I'm telling you. When God says move forward, you just move. You, you just move. Because God's power comes in proportion to your obedience. The, the sea didn't open before they had to start moving. And that's the hard part. You want to see the sea open up. You want to see the other side. You understand? And, and, and you want to see, you know, five or ten hundred people, you know, go ahead in front of you. You just, you, you need that. You need a lot of security. But there's not always a lot of security here. God's power comes in proportion to your obedience. You just have to do what God says do. And sometimes you don't see God move until you've made your move. God responds to obedience. I mean, Moses had to lift his staff and the people had to move before the water started to part. That's just how it works. Mark Batterson wrote a great book called Primal. In the book Primal, Mark Batterson says this. He says, everybody wants to see a miracle, but nobody wants to be in a situation that would require one. Everybody wants a miracle, but nobody wants to be in a situation that requires one. God's power comes in proportion to your obedience, not ahead of time, not ahead of time. God meets them in the water. Do you understand? God meets them as they step out in obedience. God's power always comes as you need it, as you need it. We tend to remember everything better than it was, and we're not very good at seeing the future at all. But the God who leads us always leads us from before. He's he's always in the future calling us forward. Going back to the past is not an option for you nor for me. You're not remembering where God has brought you from. And sometimes we have to stand still so we can put our eyes back on Jesus, but we don't stand still forever and we can't stand still for long because ultimately the commandment is always the same, get moving. 
get moving because everything God has promised you, it's in the future. You have to live forward with him into the future, and he will take you to the promised land.